Welcome again. My name is Megan Gardner, and I'm super pumped to be talking to you today. Continuing our series as everyone in the auditorium finds their seats. I want to say hello to everybody watching online. Hello, everybody. You guys are part of an online growing church community. Your living room looks amazing right now. If you're eating breakfast or brunch, whenever you woke up, I wake up at like... 11 o'clock when service is at 11.15. Come on, watching at home. Good to see you all today. Again, my name is Megan, and we are in a series called Galatians. How many of you have enjoyed this so far? Yes. Seven whole weeks already. Right now we are on week eight. So if you need to catch up, please, please do so. You can do so on YouTube. You can do so on the Hope City Church app. Please do because this is life-changing, life-giving, faith-altering stuff that we are talking about in Galatians. So I love this series. And I seriously have not slept this week. I'm so excited to speak to you today. I've got kids. I've got a husband at home. I've got three dogs. How many of dog lovers? Wow, cat people in here. Maybe at home you're with your dog right now on the couch and you're a dog lover. But they all had to, you know, take some time and like not have me this week because I literally shut myself in my room and I was praying. I was typing all week long, erasing and typing just because I'm so excited to speak to you today. We are on week eight of our series. And for those of you who this maybe is your very first week, I want to take a second and I want to recap just a little bit and let you know what we've been talking about. Some of you are like, what is Galatians? I don't know what that is. That's all right. Let me explain a little bit. Galatians is a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to the people of Galatia. Everyone say Galatia. That's right. Talk about the Apostle Paul. You don't know who he is. That's okay. He wrote like most of the New Testament, most of a lot of the scriptures that you've heard before. Paul wrote a lot of those. And he is teaching people how to be brand new Christians. Like Jesus just died. He rose again. And that's it. Now what? Now Paul and these apostles are teaching people what church looks like, what church leadership looks like, what faith looks like, and what a life led by the Spirit of God looks like now. And so he's writing to these people because they believe some things that maybe we believe too. I think we have a lot in common with these Galatians from Galatia. See, what they believe that in order to be a Christian, you not only had to believe in Jesus, but you also had to follow Jewish laws. And I don't necessarily think that we struggle with being Jewish, unless you do, if that's okay. We can meet later and talk if you struggle with being Jewish. It's okay. But we do struggle with the fact that we don't think believing in Jesus is enough, that there's got to be something more. There's got to be some checklist. There's got to be some thing that you're holding me to, some standard now, God, now that I'm a Christian, right? There's got to be something more than just believing. And that's what the Galatians felt. We feel this pressure. Like, it's just not enough. There's got to be a rule book that I have to follow, right? They were starting to believe that what the message of Christianity is, what we call the gospel message is this. Believe in Jesus, change, and God will love you. Believe in Jesus, change, and God will love you. That's what they believed. But what we've been talking about for the last seven weeks is that is not true. That the true gospel message is believe in Jesus and God's love will change you. See, they're very, very similar, but they're also so, so different. 
that it's not about what you do, that you can't earn God's love, that you can't earn God's grace. You just have to believe. This is hard for us to swallow. There's got to be something else. We feel that. But the message we keep coming back to every week is that salvation isn't based on what you do. It's based on Jesus did for us. It's not about earning. It's about receiving. It's belief, not behavior. Swag plug, wearing the hoodie. Right now, get your merch. Everyone, belief, not behavior on your way out. All the proceeds go to CYC. Belief, not behavior. We love these. Everyone, a bunch of people are wearing them today. So grab one of those. Belief, not behavior. So we reached the end of chapter five. That's where we are right now in the book of Galatians. And we've learned so, 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 so much about what Paul is saying. But right now we're going to read a passage and it's entitled the fruit of the spirit. How many of you, did you grow up in church? You heard about the fruit of the spirit? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. We heard about it. When uh, I went to Bible school, um, Pastor John and I went to the same college. They put us in charge of chapel, weekly chapel, which is teaching the uh, kids uh, Bible stories and, and lessons, Old Testament, New Testament. And what we got to do is do a lot of worship songs with them too. And of course, they put the interns in, you know, in charge of that because we're young. We have a lot of energy to hang out with the kids. So one of the songs that we would sing all the time is called The Fruit of the Spirit. And I love this song so, so much. I don't know if you guys know it, but it, it went like this. The fruit of the Spirit's not a apple. The fruit of the Spirit's not a apple. So if you want to be a apple, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit because the fruit is. Come on. It's not just me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I'm like, okay, I know it. That's enough of that. Anyway. Great song because we turned scripture right here in Galatians 5 into a song that the kids could repeat and know and know what the fruit of the spirit is. So we're going to read about that today. And I'm excited because I've been praying and through all the time that I've spent with Jesus learning about this scripture, I want to encourage you today because I've heard the fruit of the spirit preached. I've heard the message a a thousand times, but I always hear it a different way. So I'm excited today to read this with you and to share what God has shared with me. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter five, and we're going to start at verse 13 together. If you have your Bible, say amen. 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 All right, let's read this together. For you have been called... To live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Paul's saying this. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation of the law of Moses. Paul continues in verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, 
Sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. Sound like anybody? Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Wow. That's a lot. These verses are an extraordinary example of the change that happens when God's love is inside of us. But... These scriptures can also be extremely confusing because up until this point, Paul has only said that it doesn't matter what you do. It's only about what you believe, right? That's what we've been talking about for the last seven weeks. It doesn't matter. But he just listed a ton of things that we all do and said it's very clear that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So which is it? Does it matter what we do or does it not matter what we do? See, I struggled with this this week. Because if the last seven weeks are true, there's no way. That's, that's what Paul is saying, but that's what I read. That's what I understood. And so through prayer, lots of prayer and tears and research, I don't think that Paul is saying, if you do these things, you're not saved. I think what Paul is saying is, because you do these things, it's a reminder why you need to be saved. It's a reminder why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And by God's grace, he's given us that to lead us and guide us daily on this journey that we call life as Christians. So what does it mean, fruit of the Spirit? It just means evidence. Evidence that God is working in my life. Fruit, evidence. And we can't produce that without him. How many of you have tried? I have. A life without Jesus is not a peaceful life. A life without Jesus is not a gentle and kind life. It's a life of struggle. A life of division. A life of quarreling, just like Paul said. There is no self-control in my life without Jesus. I think what Paul is saying here is that, yes, you have freedom in knowing it's belief, not behavior that saves you. So use that freedom to put the Holy Spirit in the driver's seat and not yourself. Because it's clear what happens when we try to drive our own life and control our own life. When he talks about two forces inside of every person, it reminds me of me. I don't know if you've ever felt like there was a good side of you and a bad side of you, but I know that's me. Kind of like, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde or like a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. You put me in a certain situation, I'm super Christian. You put me in another situation, maybe not so much. Maybe that's you today. 
Maybe you felt like that. Paul is so, so right. Maybe he's like a Sour Patch Kid. First sour, then sweet. Or like Spider-Man and Venom. You just kind of feel like there's something inside of you that's constantly struggling, that's constantly battling. Every single day, waking up, making decisions like, shouldn't do that, though I want to. Not supposed to, but I want to. Why do I still want to? This fight, this tension that's constantly inside of you. Paul is so right. Or maybe you said it like this. I know I'm a Christian, but I don't always act like one. I know I'm a Christian, but I don't always act like it. If it's just me, that's cool. Then I can just be honest. Because I love Jesus, but I still fight with my family. I love Jesus, but I still cuss. Like two people chuckled. Because they're like, me too. I love Jesus. I do. But there's still sin in my life and in my heart. I love Jesus, but I still get jealous. I love Jesus, but when someone talks about my kid, I want to punch that other kid. I still do. 100%. Still have those desires. And I love Jesus. And I'm a Christian. I love Jesus, but I still have outbursts of anger. Hear me. I love Jesus, but I still watch porn. I still struggle with lust. I love Jesus, but I still feel lonely all the time. I love Jesus, but I know I'm a Christian, but I don't always act like it. I honestly try to act like a Christian a lot because I'm one of the only ones in my family who's saved. So I'm constantly trying to make sure that what I do, you know, shows Jesus to everybody else, but I still have those desires and I'm thinking, what's wrong? Well, I've been a Christian for years. What's wrong with me? Why do I still want to act like this? It's because that's a part of my DNA, Paul says. He's saying that's okay that you're a Christian and you still struggle. That's okay. Your sinful desires are a part of who you are. You're not bound by those desires, but you are conflicted by them. Verse 17 says these two forces are constantly fighting each other. Constantly. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. So then the question isn't, how do I become a better Christian? How do I become a Christian that doesn't look at porn anymore? How do I become a Christian that doesn't get drunk? How do I become a Christian that doesn't struggle with this gossip, envy, jealousy? It's not about that. It's how do I become a growing Christian? I focus way too much on what I do and don't do for God. Way too much. And at the end of the day, I just feel guilty I didn't show the love of Jesus today. What is wrong with me? Why can't I make the right decision in these moments? We should be saying, how do I become a growing Christian and give ourselves some grace? The tension we feel between our flesh and the spirit, our desires and the spirit's desires is what we call spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. It's in daily little moments, winning battles in your mind and in your heart. I want to have this thought, but maybe I won't. I want to do this, but maybe not. But we don't need to think of our sinful nature as something that disqualifies us from the love of God and from our salvation. It's a reminder why we need it. It's a reminder why we need God's grace. There's no such thing as a better Christian, but there is such thing as a growing Christian. And so in your walk, with Jesus in your life. You're not saved until you aren't. 
you're a fruit and you're trying to grow. The Holy Spirit is alive inside of you and all it wants to do is grow. So here's some encouragement today. Here's what I want you to remember as you are now a Christian and you are now growing. Number one is that fruit doesn't appear overnight. Fruit does not appear overnight. Boy, I wish it did because I love fruit. But fruit in your life, spiritual growth, does not happen in a day. Some of you have been staring at this apple I have. Here it is. It takes a really long time to make this one apple go from, you guys can barely see this, this seed to a fruit. Extremely long time. It's hard to believe that this produces this, to be honest. Some of you are here. This is where you are in your spirituality and in your walk with faith. But you want to be here because everybody else around me is. Why can't I get it right? What am I doing wrong, God? What am I missing? Am I not saved enough? Am I not good enough? Spiritual growth takes time. And I can't rush it. I can't do anything to make this grow quicker than it's supposed to. I can't pour miracle grow on it. I can't sing to it. I can't. I can't pray enough. I can't read my Bible enough. I can't go to church enough to make what's supposed to take a long time in your life happen overnight. There's no amount of praying you can do that's going to rush the spirit of God's process in your life. It's not easy to hear because we want it to be fixed now. We live in a world with immediate results. Immediate. You want to change the way you look? You can just make an appointment somewhere. Boom, done. We get pregnant, we want that baby out now. <laughs> like we are in a world like this. I don't want to wait for anything. My kids don't want to wait for anything. None of us do. Every time we play something on TV, they're like, why is an ad popping up? Mom, why don't you pay for no ads? <sighs> All of you don't pay for ads. We don't want to wait. But what Paul is saying, that a spirit-led life looks like long, slow growth. Wonderopolis talks about fruit. Describes the process of growth just like this. In order for a plant to bear fruit, it needs to transfer pollen by maybe wind or birds, bats or bees to another plant to fertilize its flowers. The process is called pollination. Then the fertilized seed produces hormones that allow the fruit to slowly grow and to thicken and to ripen and to get juicy. The mother plant has to have the proper nutrients like nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, which has to be given to it from other animals' droppings in the soil over time. All these changes take place over the entire growing season. I can't make this happen quickly. Although I want this result, I might just be little, a seed. But wait, Megan, didn't you say believe in Jesus and God's love will change me? I did, but it takes time. Hear that today. It takes time. We need to learn to say, I'm not perfect, but I'm growing. Say that today. I'm not perfect, but I'm growing. Hard to say because I want to be perfect. I'm hard on myself. 
I say that to myself all the time, probably daily. Why can't I be a better mom? Why can't I be a better spouse? Why can't I be a better Christian? Why can't I be a better employee? What is wrong with me? Why am I not doing it right? But unlike everything else, spiritual growth is not quick, it is not easy, and it's not painless. It hurts. So, how do we know we're growing? We don't. You don't. You only ever look back and you notice the growth. You don't feel it happening. You can barely see it. It's like when you take a look at your kids over a six-month period. Maybe you have one of those boards. You measure how, how tall they are, and you, you know, they go along. Maybe they're two or three years old, and all of a sudden some time goes by. You measure them again. Like, God, you grew four and a half inches. Like, you never see that happening, but it happens. It's like a grass. Mow your grass. That sucker is four and a half inches in four days. You don't see it growing, but it is. Something you can't see is spiritual growth. And we come into church week after week, beating ourselves up because we are not better. Why do I keep struggling with this? I've prayed about it a thousand times. Why, am, why is it still this gong that I'm ringing over and over again? It's like a broken record in my life. Why can I not get over it? Paul says it's because it's who you are. It's a part of your sinful nature. And you will constantly struggle with it for the rest of your life here on earth. You're only going to look back one day and go, yeah, you know what? I have changed. I don't struggle as much anymore. Pastor Jono is like that. I met Pastor Jono when he was not the Pastor Jono you know. He lived his life with a ton, checking off a ton of these things on that first list. The jealousy, the envy, the quarreling, the wild parties, all the, all the stuff, all the things checking off those things list. And one day his dad just called up a pastor friend and said, you got to take my kid. I'm going to lose him. I don't know what's going on. And so he flies all the way down to Florida, which is where he meets me, flies all the way down to Florida. He gets into this school and you know what he did? He got prayed over by a lot of pastors and a lot of people who loved him, who encouraged him and said, you have a call of God on your life. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Let's grow it. Let's do it. Let's together grow this spirit. And it's painful and it is ugly. And you're not going to want to do it. But he did. And you know, he couldn't tell you when the moment he changed was. He could tell you moments when he had time with Jesus. But all you can really do is look back and go, I'm not as angry as I was. Something's happened. I don't sin as much anymore. Something inside of me has changed. It's spiritual growth. Which leads me to number two. If you don't sin as much anymore when you grow, I want to encourage you to remember this today as you're growing. I'll never stop sinning, and that's okay. Never stop, but that's okay. Some of you are like, no, it's not. It's not okay. Because even if we're doing it right, aren't we supposed to eventually stop? Isn't it supposed to end one day? How many of you have asked yourself that question? I definitely have. Or maybe you've asked yourself this, how much sinning is too much sinning? How good is good enough for God? Can I do this but not this? I know God's loved me even if I fall, but eventually I'd like to stop falling. But Paul says you won't. It's not a part of who you are. 
Verse 17 says these two forces are constantly fighting each other. Constantly. But we will have power to overcome our temptations by the spirit of God living inside of us. But we forget in our struggles what happens now that we are a Christian. A few things happen to us. Most people assume that when you become a Christian and you pray the prayer and you ask Jesus into your life, that you're getting forgiveness for your sins. And you are. That's 100% true. But it's not just that. If it was just forgiveness for our sins, then we'd have to keep getting saved and keep asking God for forgiveness every time we failed. So it's not just forgiveness. When you become a Christian, you also receive righteousness from God. But we talked about in the last few weeks, you are now made right by what Jesus did on the cross, not what you did. But when you ask him into your heart and believe that he's your savior, you get forgiveness for your sins. You get righteousness now, literally made right. God looks at you and he sees you as perfect now. But you also have the spirit of God, power inside of you now. We forget that. We forget that sitting here raising our hand meant I don't have to do it anymore by my strength. I'm asking God to help me. I'm asking God to walk through this life with me, with his power inside of me, to help me overcome my temptations and the cycles inside of my life. Let me read to you how the Bible describes it. Paul wrote another letter to the Romans, and he explained it like this in Romans 8. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by his same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. Just like in Galatians, it's very clear. But if, everyone say if. But if through the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. If we somehow in our minds slowly each day can live by the spirit's leading, which can be a gentle whisper at times, we will see fruit start to grow. You now have the power inside of you to overcome temptations to resist the enemy, to gain freedom, to stop a cycle, maybe that's been passed down through generations in your lives. But it's not by your power, it's by Christ living in you. And if we die to ourselves, if we put to death our sinful nature, the Holy Spirit won't let us down. But it's going to take time. Paul isn't saying that if you sin, you're not a Christian. He's not saying that. If that were true, look at the list. None of us would be a Christian. That's not what he's saying here. What he is saying is because you sin, you need a savior. You need the Holy Spirit. We need him in our lives. You've probably tried to live your life without him. And if you're like me, you know it can't happen. At least not the way we want it to. We need Jesus. You will never fall in love with God by beating yourself up. You won't. But with God's help, 
you can grow. So the last thing I want you to remember as you're growing is that who I am right now is who Christ died for. Right now. What you did last night is who Christ died for. Who you are in this very moment, the liar I am, the fake person I am, the jealous person I am, that is who Christ died for. Not the perfected version of you. That person. I struggle with that this week. Because I think, God, I can't keep getting it right. Why would you love me? I haven't proven my love to you. But that's what grace is. Grace means that I love you even if you sin. Even if you did the thing last week with that person in that moment, I still love you and you're still saved. It's okay. Jesus died for the person who you used to be and he died for the person in the future that you're going to be. That person's a sinner too because you're not perfect, but you're growing. I'm not perfect, but I'm growing. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We can't forget that because I live a life trying to be Christian and I'm mad at myself when I'm not. But that's the person that Christ died for. And here's the most encouraging thing I can tell to you today is that there are others who are here for you when you fall. This is a really cool verse that I want to read to you. It's at the very, very, very end. So I read all of chapter five. Chapter six is the last chapter in Galatians. We have one week left. Verse one says this. Right after Paul talks about this tension, this battle that we have, battling against our sinful desires, letting the spirit grow, letting the fruit go in our lives, he says this. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, he said is overcome, not if they're overcome, by sin. You who are godly, and another translation says brothers, you who are brothers should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. So do you know what I say to you today? Those of you who I can't stop sinning and I want to, Megan, I don't know how, pray with a spirit-filled believer. Pray with somebody It's okay to let them encourage you. It's okay to say, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus and I hate myself for sinning, but I know I'm growing. Pray with somebody and let them help you, pick you up. Pastor Jono didn't do it on his own. He had pastors there. They took his phone. They put a Bible in his hand instead. There are people here who are ready to walk with you on your spirit-filled journey. That's what a church is for. That's what a community of believers is for. You are not alone in this. So get together with somebody because you're both just sinners in need of a savior. And that person will help you, pick you back up when you fall. And be there to watch the spirit grow in your life. And maybe, just maybe, If we let go of our sinful desires enough, one day we'll look back and go, huh, I do struggle with that less. I'm not as angry as I used to be. 
I could get so many people up here today and they could tell you their story. I'm not the old person that I was. I can't tell you the day that it changed, but I am not that person anymore. Not with the spirit of God alive inside of me. I've changed. That's the change that Paul talks about when he says believe and God will change you. His love will grow in you because a life with us in the driver's seat doesn't produce that. It doesn't produce the fruit. It only produces death. So in a moment, there's gonna be a team of people up here that would love to pray with you, love to. And each week they do, they come up and they're ready to encourage you in the spirit and remind you that you have God's power living within you, that you have a call of God on your life and that you can do this. You can win this battle. And together we'd love to pray with you. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your spirit and I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for each person alive in this place today who isn't perfect, but is growing. God, and I pray, I pray they hear Paul's heart and I pray that they hear my heart today and that they know that because they sin, they haven't lost their salvation. That because they sin, it doesn't disqualify them from your love. But because they sin, it's a reminder why we need your love. We need you to lead us. We need you to guide us. We need to listen to your leading in our lives. God, and I pray each person in this room would choose to die to their sinful nature in maybe subtle ways at first, maybe by taking captive their thoughts or maybe by just confessing to another person that they're struggling. Whatever step we need to take, God, help us. Give us courage along the way. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing and what you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.